and well met everybody. Welcome to Geek Thyself, a show by nerds, for nerds, who love geeking out over random facts and esoteric trivia. My name is Heather. I'm Russell. And we'll be your hosts for this journey through the wondrous land of information. Welcome to this week's episode of Geek Thyself. So, couple of things. First off, I want to apologize for the fact that Russ and I were gone for two weeks. We both had life sort of get in the way and unfortunately weren't able to get together to record, so we got a little behind. Also, I wanted to let you know up front, Russ isn't here today. Unfortunately, he and I still weren't able to record, but since I was available, I decided we'd go ahead and put out a solo episode rather than not give you guys an episode for another week. So hopefully you enjoy today's topic. Full disclaimer, as I've done in the past, I am not an expert, and I'm definitely not a psychologist, so I'm going to be giving you information and describing some of the facts about the Myers-Briggs personality test and how people use it and what some of the different terms mean for those who are maybe vaguely familiar with it but don't quite understand all the details. But in terms of the actual psychology of it and some of the more complicated details, I'm going to gloss over those a little more, partly because this is supposed to be a half-hour episode and partly because I don't want to give you wrong information and I don't want to portray things incorrectly, and since it is not my area of expertise, I'm going to refrain from giving you information that might be wrong. I don't want to lead anybody down the wrong road. I will say, if you want to do an in-depth look into the information and you want to know more, there is a website, the MyersBriggsFoundation.org, that you can go to, and they have a lot more information. You can also just Google Myers-Briggs and tons of things pop up, including an official website. It is Myers, M-Y-E-R-S, and Briggs is B-R-I-G-G-S. So it's easy to find if you want more information or if you want to do more research on your own. I'm also going to go ahead and do all of the lovely mid-roll stuff right now because I want to get it out of the way before I get into this topic so that I can just keep going. So... To start off with, our wonderful sponsors here at Nerdsmith, I can't talk about them enough, World Anvil. They actually also just won an any for being the best world building tool online. They're amazing. Cannot talk about them enough. WorldAnvil.com. I definitely recommend you go check it out. It's great for storytellers. It's great for people who run different D&D or tabletop RPG games and want to build up their world more. You can sign up for free and then they do have bonus features that you have to pay for. But even the basic membership is amazing and I can't talk about them enough. WorldAnvil.com. Also, Die Hard Dice. Now, they've been posting some amazingly beautiful pictures of new colorways and new creations they're coming out with. They they just came out with these glacial moonstone ones, and oh my god, they're so pretty. So glittery and sparkly. I love it. I don't need more dice, but I kind of need more dice. And uh, their metal dice are also gorgeous. Can't talk about them enough. Plus, they're also just really nice people. So I love supporting them and talking about them because they are so nice to everyone. And sometimes they'll even send little notes with your dice. They're just really nice people, which I appreciate. And you don't have to wash their dice. 
you know, just saying. So if you want to check them out, it's dieharddice.com. And if you use the coupon code GeekThyself, you can get 15, 1-5% off of your next purchase or your first purchase, whichever it happens to be. So definitely go check that out. And if you've already used your Geek Thyself code, you can also go to any other Nerdsmith show. The majority of us have codes. And if you take a listen, you'll hear the code and be able to get a discount again. So it's, you know, it's worth checking out some of the other shows on the network. And that's nerdsmith.org. With that, we're going to get into this week's topic, and I will hopefully explain the Myers-Briggs personality test clearly. So the Myers-Briggs personality test was first created by two women, which already is kind of fun. It was a mother-daughter team, and they both had an interest in psychology. They weren't trained psychologists, but they had both done research into it, and this was a long time ago, too. This was back in like 1917 is when the research first started, Catherine Cook Briggs and her daughter Isabel Briggs Myers were the ones who created this test. That's where Myers-Briggs comes from. They took the teachings and some of the conceptual theories of Swiss psychiatrist Carl Jung, J-U-N-G, for anyone who's wondering how to spell it. It's, I know it's pronounced Jung, but it looks like Jung. It's weird. It's uh, one of those, uh, pronunciation things where certain letters are pronounced differently in different uh, languages. So if you're looking it up, it's J-U-N-G. And one of the things he came up with was ways to sort of classify how people's brains work and the way that they think into sort of very set personality types. Ways to look at it and say that person is X, that person is Y, that person is A, that person is B, that kind of thing. So it was a way to help classify the way people's brains worked and how their personalities worked and why certain traits were more dominant for them than others and things like that. There's a lot of different personality types. There's four letters that are used in the Myers-Briggs test and personality typing. And so because of those four letters having, you know, two options each, there are 16 different personality types based off of those letters. And they're a range of personalities. It's supposed to cover every personality type. Obviously, especially when you're talking about just 16, not every descriptor is going to be perfect for every individual. And it's not necessarily meant to be. It is just trying to give you an idea of, based off of the way you answered these questions, here is how your brain tends to lean. So it doesn't automatically mean that every decision you make is based off of only whatever the test tells you, but it means that the majority of the time, that's the way that you tend to go with it. As an example, I myself, it's been a while since I took the test. I guess I could retake it, but I, the one that I got the first time still feels like it fits me, so I've just never gone back to do it again. I, when I took the test, received the personality type of ESTP, and I'm going to break that down for you. So the four different categories that you use to classify yourself using the Myers-Briggs test are as follows. And for anyone who's curious where I'm getting this information, it is coming directly from myersbriggs.org, which, like I said, is the website that has to do with the Myers-Briggs organization and foundation. And it's got a lot of information on there. You can take the test there. On that site, you do have to pay for the test. There are variations of the test that you can get for free online. But the official Myers-Briggs test is at the myersbriggs.org 
website. There might also be psychologists out there who would give it to you for anyone who sees one, or possibly psychiatrists as well, but that is not something I'm familiar with, so I can't say for certain you'd have to ask your doctor. However, the four categories we're looking at are favorite world. That has to do with whether you are extroverted and like looking at the outer world, or if you're introverted and like looking more internal. Um, information. Information has to do with how you yourself take in and interpret information and the kind of information that you look for. The two categories there are sensing or intuition. Sensing is you look at the details. For instance, if I go into a room, I'm looking around and I notice that there's, oh, look, there's three people that are wearing blue shirts that are identical. I wonder if they came together. You know, that's the kind of situation you're in where your brain looks at the detail of those three guys have blue shirts on. Intuition has more to do with the feeling you get in the room. So like you walk into the room and you're like, oh, wow, everyone's really happy. This, this is a great feeling environment. I feel really comfortable here. So it's not necessarily that one of you is more perceptive than the other. It's just that the information that your brain sort of notices first is different. The third section is decisions. This is how you make your decisions. And the two personality types here, or the two factors, are thinking versus feeling. Thinking means that you're, you tend to make decisions in a much more logic and rationality-based way. So, you know, if you're trying to decide between A and B, well, A has a better price point, even though I like B a little bit better, and A is going to last me longer, so I'm going to go with A. It's that sort of a situation. Whereas feeling is someone who tends to make decisions based more off of how they're feeling about a certain situation or their, their intuition. What, you know, I have a gut feeling that this one's going to be better. Or it might be someone who's looking at two choices and even though choice A might be a slightly better choice logically or in terms of how long it's going to last or anything like that, well, but B is my favorite color, so I want to go with B. You know, it's little things like that. It doesn't mean you do it every time and it doesn't mean you're making bad decisions. It just means that some of the things that you tend to look at when you're making a decision are based more off your your feeling of something as opposed to just straight up facts. So it's someone who follows their gut versus someone who is just straight up by the book logical, rational decisions is one way to look at it. The fourth section is structure. And this has to do with how you prefer to make your decisions and therefore how it affects the structure of your outer world because your decisions are obviously going to affect that. The two choices here are judging or perceiving. Judging tends to be someone who is making a, very, a more quick decision. Um, it doesn't necessarily mean they're making a bad one, just that they they like to, they, they see what the situation is and they're making their decision. Perceiving is someone who prefers to have all the facts. They like to gather all the data. And once they have all of the information they want about every single option, then they make a decision. So an, a grocery store example of this would be the judging is someone who goes to the grocery store to get peanut butter. They see Skippy and Jif. Their mom always got Skippy. They grew up on Skippy. So they just grab the Skippy without even thinking about it. Whereas someone who's perceiving would go to the grocery store for peanut butter, look at the options, see the Skippy, see the Jif, 
and see the store brand and realize, oh, well, the store brand's on sale and it's it's peanut butter. It's fine. It'll taste okay. I don't mind. And they grab the store brand that's on sale. It's that kind of a thing. Just the decision was made of, well, I like this one, so I'm going to get this one versus thinking about all of the information and making your decision from that. That's the difference between judging and perceiving. So it doesn't necessarily mean that someone who's judging is judgmental. That's definitely not what it means. It just means that when you're judging, you make your decisions more quickly. You don't necessarily need all the information. As soon as you get just enough, you're done and you you make your decision and go. So those are the different factors into the personality types. And then again, to break one down for you so that it makes a little more sense, I'm going to talk about my own personality type, which is ESTP. So I'm an, what's referred to as an ESTP. Depending on the charts you're looking at, some of them talk about, you know, oh, this personality type has this name and this personality type has that name. I've seen a lot of different ones. But overall, the traits that are assigned to different personality types are usually fairly similar across the board. I've seen different names like, oh, this personality type's the promoter and this personality type's the advisor. And I don't really pay much attention to that. And I don't necessarily recommend that you do either because that's kind of like putting a label on something, which I'm not necessarily a huge fan of. Now, to be fair, the Myers-Briggs test is sort of a way to label yourself, but at least some people use it that way. In my opinion, it's much more effectively used as a tool to sort of look at you know, how how does my brain work? How do I prefer to receive information? How do I prefer to communicate and make decisions with others? For example, one of the things about being perceiving, which is something that I am, is that when I'm making my decisions, I want all the information. So if someone comes to me and says, I've got A and B, what do you want me to do? Well, okay, what's going on that you have to make this decision for of A versus B? What are the other factors? Why do you need to make this decision now? How quickly do you need an answer? You know, is there an option C that you haven't thought of yet? Those are the kinds of things that go through my head when I'm trying to make a decision like that. I, you know, I'm always thinking about those sorts of ideas. Is there another option besides the two you gave me? Why do we need to make this decision? How quick do we have to make it? Those are bits of information that I want before I make a decision. Whereas someone who's more judging would look at those two options and be like, oh, we'll just go with A. For whatever reason that case may be, they would pick one. And one of the things about that is that because I like to have all of that information, I also like my opinion to be heard because I would do the same for someone else. Now, it doesn't necessarily mean that if I'm part of a decision-making process that my idea has to be the one taken. But I personally do not like if I'm asked about a decision and then my opinion is completely ignored. You have to at least listen to me. I don't care if you choose my option, but if I have a thought, if I have an idea, I want it heard and at least listened to. That's a personality trait of someone who is an ESTP like myself. You don't have to pick my choice, but I want you to at least listen to me and think about it because I would do the same for you because I'm perceiving. I would listen to your choices and then decide based off all the information. So all of the information includes everyone's ideas. 
It's things like that that are personality traits of different people. And again, it doesn't mean that it's the case every single time. I can flat out tell you there are some decisions that get made, because I'm one of the directors at Nerdsmith, there are some decisions that get made where we're all discussing it and I just, I don't have an idea or I don't have a solid opinion because it's something that I I'm not as involved in, in the background, since I handle operations. So if they're talking about a marketing decision, I don't necessarily feel the need to give my input on that every single time. But if we are having a discussion about something that deals with an aspect I'm supposed to be a part of, then I do want my opinion at least heard. And, you know, thankfully, all of my fellow directors at Nerdsmith are amazing people. Everyone at Nerdsmith is amazing, honestly. I love everybody. But it's made it so that we're all very, very good about listening to each other and talking. And it's something that I appreciate greatly. So that's an example of a perceiving versus judging situation and how it can affect the way your personality works. Again, it doesn't mean that I am, I'm definitely not trying to say I'm better than someone who's judging. So I hope no one's reading it that way. But the truth is that someone who's judging is going to make a decision based off what they see, and they don't necessarily feel the need to have all of the information given to them. Now, it doesn't mean they don't ever get all the information, and it doesn't mean they make every decision that way. It's just the way they tend to lean, and that's okay. So for me, ESTP, I am extroverted. This is not a surprise to anyone who knows me. (laughs) I like people. I like being around people. I like interacting with people. One of the ways I had the Myers-Briggs personality types explained to me, and I think this is a really good way to look at it, someone who's extroverted gets energy and feels energized and excited when they're around people and getting to interact with people. They like being outside of just themselves. They like having that external interaction, and so they're extroverted. Someone who is more introverted, they don't necessarily not like spending time with people, but they prefer to have more time to themselves. They can't become energized and feel, you know, rested and everything if they don't have some time to themselves. Another thing to keep in mind, depending on the type of Myers-Briggs test you take, it'll give you sort of a percentage of how much extroverted are you versus how much introverted. And when I took the test, I was 66% introverted, excuse me, 66% extroverted, which honestly fits me very well. I, I do like people. I like being around people. I like interacting with people. I don't mind, you know, being in public settings and big groups of people. None of it bothers me. But there are times, I probably roughly a third of the time, ironically, where I just, I'm done. I, I, I love people, but I need a break. I don't want to talk anymore. I just want to sit. I want to veg. I want to watch a YouTube video. I want to watch Twitch. I don't want to think or talk to anyone. That happens. And that happens to people that are extroverted too. I know one of my coworkers at the cat hospital, when she took her test, she was 80% extroverted and only 20% introverted. And she and I have both talked about how there are days where we have a really, really long work day and we go home And our husbands are trying to talk to us and we love them. We love our husbands, but we're just so done talking to people and interacting and we need a break that we end up giving them one word answers to their questions. And, you know, we still talk to them, but it's, they don't get a big conversation because we're just so burnt on talking to people that we need a break. 
And so that is something to keep in mind. Just because you're extroverted doesn't mean you're always on. It doesn't mean you're always going, 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 talking, 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 want to talk to people, want to be with people. Even extroverts are going to have a percentage of their personality that requires a recharge, a reset, and some alone time. You know, it's me time. Everybody needs a little bit of me time. And that's where sort of the extrovert versus introvert comes in. The introverts just need more me time. It's not that they don't like people, but they require more me time, more alone time in order to really look internally and sort of recharge themselves and feel refreshed. The next section is sensing versus intuition. So I am an S, I'm a sensing. What that means is that if I walk into a room, I'm collecting data almost is a way to look at it. I'm looking at the data of the room like, oh, look, there's a group of people over there that I recognize. Oh, I don't know who those people are, but one of my friends is over there. I could go talk to them. You know, oh, look, the lights look really nice in here. Oh, there's the bathroom exit. You know, I'm, I'm looking at the details. And those are the kinds of things that I'm going to remember. Whereas someone who is more intuitive is going to walk into the room and look around and be more like, oh, look, my friends are there. Oh, I'm so happy. They look so excited. They look like they're having so much fun. You know, it's still, it's still data. You're still collecting information. It's just that some of the things you tend to notice first are going to be things about how you feel about the situation or things that are more emotion and empathy oriented. So like, I would be someone who would walk into a room and I would notice, oh, look, there's my friend. But I, another person who's more intuitive might walk into the room and look around and be like, oh, wait, my friend looks really sad. You know, it's that kind of a situation where the first thing you notice is just potentially slightly different. It's also got to do with things you're going to remember. So if I walk into a room, I'm more likely to remember, oh, yeah, there were six tables and each table had five people. So there were like 30 people in the room. Whereas someone else would be more likely to remember like, oh, yeah, everyone was having so much fun, you know, X, Y, and Z happened. And I really loved the band, you know, things like that. It's, it's just the details that you remember might be slightly different. And again, neither one is bad. It's just the way your brain tends to lean in terms of what information you're gathering. The next section is thinking versus feeling. And this has to do, again, with more of how do you prefer to make your decisions? So like what information is your brain going to use? So for example, thinking you're going to look more at just logic. Like I like to make a logical decision. I'm doing it this way. I want to look at things that are very level-headed and reasonable. Not to say that the feeling people can't be, but feeling is based more off of empathy and you know, the harmony and your personal values as opposed to just a logical, rational, numbers-based decision. So, you know, I used the peanut butter as an example earlier of judging versus perceiving, but it's also a good example for thinking versus feeling. Someone who is thinking, like myself, because I'm a T, I'm a thinking, is going to go into a grocery store, see the peanut butter section, and go, okay, well, I like all three of these. I don't care if it's the store brand. It tastes close enough. And the store brand is half the price. So I'm going to buy the store brand peanut butter. Someone who is feeling is going to go in there and look at the peanut butter choices 
and remember, oh, my mom always made me peanut butter jelly sandwiches with Skippy, so I'm going to grab the Skippy. You know, it's that sort of an idea. It's just the way you're making the decision isn't wrong. It's just that the way you make the decision is different. Um, my husband and I are actually a great example of this. I, my mom worked for Safeway when I was growing up and I grew up eating store brands. Just, you know, they're less expensive and she was supporting her company that she worked for. And honestly, Safeway store brands are pretty good. So I never had an issue with it. Safeway store brand soda, bread, you know, peanut butter, whatever. I'm always willing to at least try it because most of the time I'm totally fine with it. I'm not that picky about it. And also they're less expensive. So from a logical, frugal, looking at the number standpoint, which is how my brain likes to make decisions, it's a better choice. Whereas my husband really, really has a strong preference for certain things being brand name. It doesn't have to be everything. Otherwise, we'd have fights every time we went to the grocery store. But there are certain things where he wants a specific brand. And he's not okay with the store brand version of it because it either doesn't taste right to him because it's not what he grew up with. It doesn't feel right for him to eat that one because he doesn't like it. And that's fine. Those are both valid ways to make decisions. They're just different. So, you know, it's something where if you're in a relationship or if you're dealing with a person who you know is the opposite type to you, understanding that they are that opposite type helps you then understand them a little better so that you can understand where they're coming from. One of the things I like about this Myers-Briggs situation is that, again, even though it's generalizations and everyone's going to occasionally make a decision in a different way, it does give you an idea of the way people lean and by knowing how people lean, you can then understand more about where they're coming from when they make a decision or say something or do something or get you something or anything like that. So it makes it a little easier to communicate. And it works quite well, honestly, at the cat hospital where I work. We all take the personality test because then everybody knows what their letters are. And we can use that to kind of figure out how to communicate better with each other. So like everyone knows I'm perceiving and I don't care if you choose my opinion, but I want you to hear my opinion if you're asking me to be part of a decision. Everyone knows that. So it helps. It makes the communication go a little smoother most of the time. The last section, which I was just talking about, is judging versus perceiving. And again, I am perceiving. This has to do a lot with how you live your life outside of yourself and how you also make, again, it goes back to decision making. But one of the things is um, that for, if you're judging, you like to have a solid concrete decision made. That's one of the reasons why you're not going to want all the data. You're just going to look at it and go, it's X. Whereas if you're perceiving like myself, you like to have your options open and you also like to have all the information. One of the things about this that I do also that I know <laughs> I, I get teased about sometimes, but I'm one of those people who likes to prepare for a lot of different eventualities. So for instance, when I went on a cruise, it was right after a bunch of cruises had had issues with the power going out and all that kind of stuff and, you know, people getting sick from spoiled food and whatnot. So just in case... Even though we were going to be in the Caribbean, so there were a lot of islands nearby and it wouldn't have been as long a trip as some of the ones that got stranded, I took some emergency rations that I bought off of Amazon, just in case. They just sat in my bag, but I wanted to have them just in case something happened. And I also took, like, water purification tablets. 
That was it. I didn't go overboard. You know, it's not like I packed an entire suitcase of just emergency supplies, but I wanted to have a little something just in case there were any complications because you never know what's going to happen. And if you're at sea, you might get stuck in an awful situation if you don't have a little extra something to help yourself along. So I had some emergency rations for a few days and I had some water purification tablets just in case. Did I get teased by my friends and my husband who went on the cruise with me? Yes. Did I care? No, because I wanted to be prepared. I wanted to have my options open. And that's, again, one of the differences. That's also just me. I'm weird that way. I like to be prepared for everything as much as possible. There's always going to be something that happens that you just can't predict for. But if I can prepare for it, I would rather prepare for it. Another thing is that someone who's judging tends to be very like deadline and rules oriented, whereas someone who is perceiving is going to be a little more flexible on them, depending on what the rule and what the deadline is. So, you know, oh, I needed that by the end of today. So you have to get it to me by the end of today would be judging. Whereas perceiving might be like, well, I'm telling you now, I don't actually need it till tomorrow morning. So just get it to me some point today or tomorrow morning before XYZ time and we're fine. You know, things like that. There's also people who prefer, you know, judging would prefer very detailed step-by-step instructions, whereas someone who's perceiving, like myself, is more comfortable improvising and kind of making things up as we go. I will say one thing that's very interesting about me, it personally, I don't know if anyone else finds it interesting, so sorry if you don't because you're listening, but um, when I took the test, I was 50-50 perceiving versus judging. Now, the person who was working with us when we took these tests basically said, if you're right on the line, you're perceiving because you probably chose some answers that kept your options open, quote unquote, and therefore made you in the middle. But if you're right there, you're you're perceiving, you're not judging because you were so midline that you were keeping all your options open even while you were taking the test. So... I'm, I'm very 50-50. There are some things where I don't care if it's spontaneous. I don't care if we improvise. And there's other things where it's like, no, you need to get this to me by this time because I need it by then. So I'm kind of in the middle on that one, which is a weird place to be. And I don't think most people sit there. But those are some of the different personality ways that you can look at. And there's a ton. Like I said, there's 16 different ways that these letters can be combined. Uh, to give you an example... Again, using myself, uh, ESTP is mine. And according to the test, that means I'm outgoing, but realistic. I'm action-oriented and curious. I'm versatile and spontaneous. I'm a pragmatic problem solver and skillful negotiator. And the way that works in, I mean, outgoing, obviously, if I'm extroverted, I'm going to be a little more outgoing because I like being around people. I'm realistic because I look at data with the sensing and thinking to make my decisions. Action-oriented, again, because I'm I'm fine making decisions and I, I like getting things done. Curious because I'm perceiving and I like all the information. And that's also where versatile would come in. And then spontaneous also because I, I like keeping my options open and doing things. Pragmatic problem solver because I like to make my decisions with facts and logic. So when I'm making a decision, I'm not looking at the emotion of it necessarily. I tend to look more at X, Y, and Z happened, so I'm going to make decision one. 
you know, that sort of thing. You know, these are the facts, so here's what I'm going with. And skillful negotiator, I think, also makes sense. I'm not necessarily the best negotiator in the world, don't get me wrong, but because I am perceiving and like to look at all the data, all the information before I make a decision, it does mean that I'm going to be more aware of someone else's opinion and what it could mean to them than someone who maybe is more judging and just wants it by the book. So that's sort of a very quick half hour snapshot of information about the Myers-Briggs personality test. I hope that it helps for anyone who was wondering, you know, what is the Myers-Briggs personality test or had never heard of it. Obviously, again, I stated it before, but I am not a psychologist. I'm not a psychiatrist. I didn't even major in that in college at all. So I don't want to say I'm an expert on these things. I just wanted to give you guys information on sort of how it works, what it's looking at, and what some of the different personality type information means so that if you're looking at your own, if you happen to take the test online, you can look at it and get a little more information about what that means about you. Because obviously what it means about you is going to be interesting. And for some people, like for myself, I found it very enlightening when I was looking at it because I had never, I had always thought of myself as a very logical person, but I had never considered the fact that I always wanted to know all the information before I made a decision, or not always, but most of the time, you know, things like that, or that I tended to be more go with the flow, which is a a more perceiving trait, as opposed to being very like, it needs to be X, Y, Z way. And that's the only way it can be, which is more of a judging trait. So there's things like that, that I think are interesting to look at for yourself. I think it's, it's a good way to get a better sense of, you know, I think my brain works this way, but does it actually? And also it's a good thing, I think, for people who are maybe having some conflict to look at, well, I know I'm this type, which means my brain thinks this way, or at least my brain thinks more this way. So if I'm talking to someone who's got a completely opposite type to me, is that why we're not getting along? Is that why we're having conflict when we're talking? Because we're just not communicating the same way with each other because we don't think the same way. I mean, that's the case, honestly, all over the world and for many, many, many different situations, not just if you have a different Myers-Briggs personality type. But I do think it's something that can be useful when taken appropriately and when, you know, considered as a portion of your personality and not necessarily as everything you are constantly. Because like I said, you're not always going to 100% fall into those different sections. It's just, this is how your brain tends to make decisions. It's how you tend to think about things, as opposed to you are always just this. Because no one is always just anything. So with that, I think I'm going to call an end to this episode. Again, if you want to find out more information, I recommend that you go to myersbriggs.org. That's M-Y-E-R-S b-r-i-g-g-s dot org and there's a lot more information there you can find out more about the test you can find out more about how to read the test again i am not a trained psychologist so this is an interpretation of how to look at the information and sort of a an everyday person's way to look at what those personality traits can mean for you 
But if you want to do more research or if you are into psychology and psychiatry or even are a psychologist and psychiatrist, you know, please feel free to respond. You can email us here at geekthyself at nerdsmith.org. If you have any input, we'd love to hear from you guys. And with that, I'm going to call an end to today's episode. So uh, we'll talk to you next week. And Russ and I should both be back next week. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Geek Thyself. Don't forget to check out all the other amazing content on the Nerdsmith Network. If you have any questions for either of us, you can get in contact with us on Twitter at geek underscore thyself. You can also email us at geekthyself at nerdsmith.org. And please don't forget to go to iTunes and leave us a review or also go anywhere you listen to your podcasts. We'll be back next week with another informative and fun episode. And until then, don't forget to geek thyself. Quick, you have 10 seconds to tell someone why they should listen to Monster Crush. Monster Crush, you should listen to Monster Crush because it's the best podcast ever made and it's about dating monsters and cryptids and smooching and we talk about lots of different things and we swear a lot occasionally and I'm really sorry, Mom, that I have such a dirty mouth. Wow, that was good. Thanks. I think we should keep that one. Okay. Listen to Monster Crush. Monster Crush, yay!